Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you've found the place where we talk horses. Yes, folks, we may be experiencing some troubled times, but for many of us, horses are our sanctuary. I recorded this interview with my friend Craig Morley the last week of March 2020. By the time it airs, I'm uncertain what new challenges the world will bring. We will get through this together. I met Craig a number of years ago, and he was rather new to horses. We rode together a few times, then our paths didn't cross for a while. And when they did, he mentioned he was doing some barefoot trimming around the stables. I thought this was really cool. I gotta admit that hoof, hoof structure, angles, toes, heels, all that stuff kind of intimidates me. Having a friend who studies all these things gave me the idea for this podcast. Craig is a great source of information, and today he's going to share it with us. We met where he stables his horses, Rancho Rio Equestrian Center, and sat between rows of horse stalls. His horses were munching hay 20 feet from us. We kept our distance, didn't shake hands or any of that. We simply had a good conversation about horses' feet. You'll hear planes flying over, train whistles blowing in the background, and even a horse snicker now and then. If that's not the perfect setting for a podcast interview, I don't know what is. Here's my interview with barefoot trimmer Craig Morley. My friend Craig Morley, he's a teacher, he's a high school tennis coach, right? High school tennis coach. And you're also a barefoot trimmer now. I am. You know, we've known each other for for a number of years now. I was trying to remember driving over here. When did we first meet? Was that on one of those morning rides? It was. I think I think I just uh, bumped into you on the trail, and um, I was new to the whole horse scene. You looked like you kind of knew what you were doing. And I said, I think I need to get to know that guy. <laughs> that, that cowboy hat will fool a whole lot of people. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why I, I wear the Western. I'm short, so the boots give me added height. <laughs> I love to wear jeans, so they make my jeans classy as a professional, you know, in the classroom. And my uh, dermatologist tells me that I can never go anywhere without a hat. And so the cowboy hat covers my neck and ears, not just a baseball hat. There you go. And so it just completes the persona. It's a perfect fit. You got into horses late. How many horses do you have now? We have three right now. We were up to five at one point. We rescued two out of a kill lot in Louisiana. Uh-huh. That was when I learned that I'm really not as knowledgeable and, and I'm not really a <laughs> cowboy. And uh, I got thrown a couple of times and got hurt pretty badly on oh. one of those. And so we sold them and uh, we're down to two, two three now. And, and what are their names? We have Lola right there, the right. paint. And then we have these two paints over here, Indy and Nala. I got to tell you, it's really a lot of fun because we're out here at the stables at Rancho Rio. We actually get to do an interview live, maintaining our six feet of distance. <laughs> but it's great to be around the smell of horses, sun shining a little bit. So it's really fun to be out here. You got into horses late in life, and then we kind of didn't run into each other. You had school. I was doing other things. But we, we met each other, and you said you were doing barefoot trimming now. And how did this interest come about? So Lola was our first horse, and she came to us with shoes on her front feet. 
and very much in a difficult situation, very struggling. As a matter of fact, we thought we might have to put her down. And we heard about a barefoot trimmer who has over 20 years' experience doing this, and he was actually trimming her next-door neighbor here. So he came down, he pulled her shoes and started her on the barefoot course. And as I watched him do that every time, I was just fascinated by it. I love working with my hands and being with the horses, working on horses. And my mentor, Dave Fitton, loved to teach. And being a teacher myself, I love learning, and especially about horses. And so I took advantage of the fact, and I started learning everything I could. And it just became more and more interesting to me, to the point that I ended up going up to Oregon and and actually taking a course at the Oregon School of Natural Health Care, continuing to study everything I possibly could. Now, is there one basic philosophy of barefoot trimming, or are there different schools of thought? That's a great question, and, and a very frustrating one to me. I, I've actually complained to several people. You would think that with the incredible medical knowledge that we have and the, the diagnostic knowledge, the capabilities that we have, both with people, with horses, etc., that there would be one way. And there isn't. There are several schools, several different thoughts. And so it has been a little bit of a challenge to sort of gather my own expertise from everyone because it really is not exactly a science. It is a science, but there's also a lot of art to it. There's a lot of judgment. And that's why you can't just say, well, a heel should measure exactly this much. Right. Or you should do this to the bars or that. Well, okay, what if that horse is walking on rocks versus the sand out on the trails? Well, that, that could necessitate a, a different trim. And so it was. It was very frustrating and difficult to invest a huge amount of time learning one way. And then I would go to another very reputable person in the field, study everything about and find out, oh, well, they disagree. So for example, I recently attended a workshop with Pete Ramey, who is one of the major figures in barefoot trimming. If if I'm a first-year medical student, he is the Board Surgeon certified. General <laughs> of the United States. Right, right. And, and I, I complained to him about this issue that, you know, there there is not one unified body of knowledge. But if you study enough, you find the truth among the overlap of what everybody says. And and then you adjust it to what works for you. So, you know, what works for me here in Bakersfield, where it's hot and dry, and our horses are usually on on sandy ground, might be a little bit different for somebody who's up in Washington, where it's raining 110 inches a year, and they almost never dry out. What's the difference between a farrier and a barefoot trimmer? So when I refer to farriers or farriery, I'll be referring to those that have gone to traditional farrier school and are putting on horseshoes. First of all, for for all of the farriers out there in the internet world listening to this, I am not going to bash 
farriers. Just like there are good and bad artists, professionals in, in any job. I know some farriers that are incredible professionals, very devoted to being professional and learning. And I, I see on Facebook how much they practice and work at it. And if I needed shoes, I would call them up in a heartbeat. And then I've seen work from, unfortunately, from trimmers that probably ought to find a different career. And the same is true of barefoot trimmers. So I believe that there are very competent professionals in, in both fields. But there is a different philosophy for each. And I, I've been thinking about this in anticipation of this question. And for me, it boils down into the philosophy of what represents a good hoof and, and good hoof care and how you respond to situations where you don't have either a good hoof or you need additional protection. So, for example, a farrier traditionally responds through the use of a mechanical device. The shoe. A shoe. Right. I have, you know, in my backpack, a, a farrier once told me as I was getting started that I needed to buy the principles of... of uh, He's got a big backpack full yeah, of, of called books. called The here. Principles of Horseshoeing 2. And he told me that this was the Bible. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you got to read the Bible, right? <laughs> right. So, I, so I, I read that. And a lot of what he talks about as far as what I do as a trimmer is the same thing that, that farriers are doing. The difference comes into essentially to the idea of how do you protect a hoof that needs additional protection or how do you remedy a situation that needs a remedy. And so a farrier is going to study that and is going to slap some kind of steel or possibly aluminum, but I'll just refer to all shoes as steel shoes. Okay. So he's going to slap a shoe on it, whether it be a heart bar shoe or some other kind of shoe. It's going to be a mechanical device. Right. A barefoot trimmer is more of a biological approach. I love a, a quote by Pete Ramey where, and this isn't the exact quote, but he essentially said that there's nothing on a horse's hoof that didn't evolve for millions of years that isn't meant to be there. Right. Everything that is on a horse's hoof has a very specific purpose and function. The wall, the bars, the sole, the frog, all of that is supposed to be weight-bearing. When you put a shoe on a foot, you are now elevating the foot off the ground. Mm -hmm. They call that peripheral loading. So all of the weight of the horse is now being forced onto a very small area. Right. And the pounds per square inch, they've actually done tests on this, the pounds per square inch that is forced onto that very small area skyrockets exponentially right. versus when the entire area of the foot is able to help in weight bearing. And that kind of says to me, well, no wonder I see so many horses with shoes on that have walls that are falling apart. They can't take the strain, particularly when the horse is not living in ideal environments. When they're living in a stall, they're not moving, they're standing in their urine and they're feces-soaked mud or been dirt, raining out or here it's for, been raining. Yep. They're not getting the movement that they should to be healthy. They're probably not exercising enough. 
and their diet is probably not the best diet in the world either. And so you combine all those factors, and it's already a difficult battle for them. It's an uphill you know, climb. And then we increase exponentially the pounds per square inch on their hoof walls, while at the same time removing the ability for their hoof to contract and decontract. That's how a farrier will approach it, is, is through a steel shoe. Whereas a trimmer will go, okay, what is this horse's foot supposed to be like? What's not working? What's not healthy? I can trim the hoof. That's fairly easy to do, unless I get kicked. <laughs> That's the part of the job I don't like. I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later, too. But I can't, I can't make that horse have a healthy hoof. The horse has to grow it. All I can do is create conditions that sort of help it to regrow in a healthy fashion. So it's kind of like if, if I'm a doctor and you come to me with a broken arm, I can't heal your arm. I can put a cast on it, I can set the bones, but your body has to do the healing. A barefoot trimmer is, is going to try to establish those conditions so that the horse can grow a really healthy, strong hoof. And then when necessary, if you need additional protection, slap on a boot. Going back to the beginning, you started this process because you had a horse with a problem. How's that horse doing now, and how long has it been? We've had Lola for almost five years. She has a club foot, a congenital foot, a co- congenital club foot. So that's, that's never going to heal in this case because it, it, I mean, this is a DNA problem. Right. There, there are some things you just can't fix, and the, and the, whether you're a farrier or a trimmer. Horses in nature, their feet get taken care of by the amount of distance that they travel and by, you know, survival of the fittest. Then we bring those good horses in and we breed them back, line breeding back, and their feet just seem to get maybe smaller and smaller or, or break down. Is that? That's that? a perfect example. One of the best examples of that are horses that are bred like foundation horses to be super muscular and yet have itty little bitty feet. Right. So we're creating a, a, a horse that weighs more than a thousand pounds and then we reduce the size of their feet by half of what, uh, let's say, a Mustang has. It's like getting a, a, a big car and putting tiny little tires on it, Exactly. Right? It, it just doesn't do very well. She has, she's no longer in the kind of pain that she was, and she moves much better. We've kind of gotten to the point where she's as, she's as good as she's going to get, but she's never going to get better. Whereas my other two horses, Indy here, happens to have, you know, rock-crushing bare feet. Right. And Nala has a little bit different conformation, and she's barefoot, and I don't need to throw boots on her for just walking around or if we go into the arena. If we go out onto the trail, I have to throw boots on her because she's going to be ouchy whenever we cross the littlest rock. Right. And that's just who she is. But she has very healthy feet. And when we get back, we take the boots off, and she gets the best of both worlds, the protection of having something on her soul. Right with the ability to take it off and then let nature do what it's supposed to do. And so how long have your horses been bare, barefoot now? Pretty much since we've had them. 
Nala came to us with shoes on her front feet, and she had a shoe boil, and it was pretty bad. And so we had to take the shoes off um, due to the shoe boil. And as soon as we did that... What's a shoe boil? When the horse lies down and they, they tuck their, their feet un, up underneath them, sometimes the, the back of the shoe, depending upon what kind of shoe they're wearing, or just how the horse tucks their feet up underneath, it rubs on the inside of their leg. Right up above her, her knee... She has what looks like a an inch and a half blister. Oh, okay, got it. What should people know who are thinking about taking shoes off their horses? What a thoughtful question. I responded to a, a lady on one of my Facebook barefoot trimming pages who said, um, and this is fairly common of of a lot of people's approach to barefoot. She said, oh, I, I tried to let my horse go barefoot, and he was so sore the day after they took the shoes off that I threw the shoes right back on. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Barefoot, is, there's no magical pill. There's, there's no way for you to put shoes on a horse for most of its life and then take those shoes off and say, oh, now you're all better. Go. That would be like saying, okay, you have been in shoes that have been one size too small for you your entire life, and now we're going to go to the beach. Let's take those shoes off, and let's go walk around on the sand. Eh, maybe it hurts a tiny bit, but not too much. Not bad. But then when we're done walking on the sand, I say, let's go over and check out the rocky tide pools in your bare feet. Now you're going to be in a lot of pain. You're not going to be able to do that without some help. And, and that's kind of a good metaphor of what needs to happen when you transition from a shoed horse to a barefoot horse. And ultimately, it does depend on the health of the shoed horse's feet. For example, one of the problems in, in our horse culture is that we throw shoes on foals way too early. The feet are not even done developing. One of the consequences of doing that is that the digital cushion of the foal never develops to the point that it should. And consequently, the horse doesn't have this firm, absorbing, you know, big cushion in the back that allows them to absorb shock and concussion like they should. Hence, they become heel sore. And... When you take shoes off that horse, that digital cushion can improve. And there's a lot of things that can be done to help that, but it takes time. So number one, I would say you need to be patient. I took shoes off of two horses in the barn right behind us, and the owner was quite nervous about it because these horses had never had their shoes off. But she had a lot of trust in me. And I said, just give it time. As the trimmer, there were things that I knew to do or not to do to not soar that horse too much at, at first. One of the, the common mistakes that trimmers make often is they try to perfect the foot too fast. You're going to get to that perfect foot, but you're not going to get to it in one trim. Right. So between knowing what to trim and what not to trim, and letting the horse grow out the hoof, you're going to get to that goal. So you need to be patient 
in letting your horse grow out that strong and healthy barefoot. You need to be involved more in your horse. It's a lot easier to be lazy with your horse's feet and their health if your horse is shod because your horse is up off the ground and if it's feet, if he's got thrush, if his feet are sore, he's, he doesn't care as much because he's not standing on it. Right. And so your horse's feet could be in horrible condition, but your horse could still be sound because of the shoes. Whereas if you have a barefoot horse that is not sound, you're not you're going to know very quickly because that hoof is all the way on the ground. It is on the ground and he's feeling everything. So you need to be involved. You need to be more willing to clean your horse's feet every day. You need to be more willing to exercise your horse. I mean these are things that any horse owner should be doing. Right. But it's it's particularly important. And and then I would also encourage owners to do as I did, and that is to start learning what constitutes a good hoof. You know, what if it's been two weeks since I had a trim or my horse got shooed, whatever, and XYZ happens? Well, it might be something that if I have a tiny bit of knowledge and a, you know, other and a hoof knife, uh, maybe I just can trim off that little flap of frog that is trapping all this gunk underneath rather than calling back my farrier or my trimmer or waiting and having to deal with the thrush that that causes or generates. What are three things that make a good hoof then? Three things. <laughs> the three, give me three main things that you think uh, um, we should learn more about. I would say the... The most egregious things that I see as I walk up and down the rows here at Rancho Rio, number one, long hoof length, just grossly overgrown. The average hoof wall is the dorsal length, the front length, is going to be between three to three and a half inches at max. Usually it's between, it's around three and a quarter. If you have a really big horse, it might be three and a half. But most of these horses I go by and their their feet are at least four inches long. And that's putting a tremendous amount of strain on the white line, on the coffin bone, on the papillae, etc. So that would be number one. Number two would probably be heel height. One of the most common ways to identify a barefoot trim are low heels. And the reason for that is because you want your frog to be making contact with the ground. Even in a barefoot trim, if I leave my heels and my, and my wall length too high, I'm essentially creating a natural um, shoe. Right, right. And I'm elevating my foot off the ground. So heel height is a huge mistake. If it's too high, the horse is going to be sore on, on his heel and is going to land toe first. If it's too short, he's going to be sore and do what? Land toe first. And landing toe first is one of the biggest problems that a horse has. Right. And that would be number two. Number three, I would say, is um, lack of involvement. Owners not 
cleaning their hooves, not creating an, an... It's difficult to create an ideal environment when you have to keep your horse in a stall. Right. But you can clean it every day. You can pick out your horse's feet every day because not doing that allows all of those pathogens to sit in an oxygen-deprived environment, which is what allows them to just explode and destroy your horse's feet. Yeah. I'll give you a quick uh, little story about my horse, Scratch, who I got from Tatchby. He was running around wild, and they just run him into our trailer, and I brought him home. I had to learn how to halter him and get him to lead her and do all those other things. Well, when he hopped into my trailer from the wild, his feet looked like they had just been trimmed perfectly. I mean, they were symmetrical. They were round. They were doing everything. And then it took me a couple of weeks before I was able to get him to where I could pick up his feet without him being fearful of it. And his feet by that time had grown so misshapen because he was in my little stall there just walking around that that clay stall and his feet just they changed shape in a very in probably four weeks you're absolutely right you have to have that attention that happens to be one of the horses that i trim and you can see that her her feet are all short right and she's walking without shoes she's comfortable that horse i've been trimming her for this will be my Third or fourth trim coming up on Saturday. And how often do you trim? Good question. I would like to trim every four weeks. People are kind of stuck on this six-week average. The problem with that is that by the time you get to the sixth week, it really is a little bit beyond the curve. And so what happens is you're starting to have problems that are causing bigger problems. Your hooves are starting to flare. Your white line is starting to stretch. And these are things that we don't want to see. At four weeks, let's touch this up, boom, 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 done. Are you mostly using a rasp? I use a rasp or actually here in in Bakersfield because it's so hot and the hooves are so hard, I use an angle grinder and a a 36 grit sanding pad. And I can just I can take off a sliver with that. And then I also use basically like an industrial Dremel Uh for trimming the bar and touching up the sole. And then I use my knives if I have to. And horses tolerate the hum of that angle grinder? All of them have tolerated it, except for (laughs) one. <laughs> okay, so that gets us to this this topic here. We're uh, neither one of us are spring chickens. I'm a little bit older chicken than you, but chicken nonetheless. What uh, what possesses you to crawl under a horse and uh, and a farrier or a horse trimmer's life is uh, is not the easiest. No, this this black thoroughbred right here um, recently came to our row. And she asked me to trim him. And he was nervous about the angle grinder, the power tools. And so I, I conditioned him to it. And, and he was doing fine. And I got to his very last foot. And I was holding up his back right foot. 
he got nervous and he stomped down on my left and I had steel toed boots on. Oh my. But my pinky toe being on, you know, the the outer edge of my foot was not underneath that steel cup. And that foot came down and caught the edge of my toe. And that I've been limping for the past eight weeks. <laughs> it's almost healed. Not quite. It's still it still hurts. I could not put my boots on oh, literally man. for th- four weeks. Oh, wow. And three weeks later, I got the left one done by another horse <laughs> that I was trimming for the first time. So you're exactly right. Um, you have to have a real love of horses and a real love of, of working with them. And then you have to be a little bit either crazy or stupid, I think. <laughs> you know, um, barriers are a lot like baseball catchers. They, they call those uh, the tools of ignorance. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I was reading in this book the principles of horseshoeing in the in the chapter where Butler says that describes the characteristics of a of a farrier of a new farrier. And he was like, 35 years or younger. I'm like, well, I shouldn't be in that boat. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I am gifted with is that I naturally have a, a huge love of animals. Always have, all my life. And once I got into horses, that translated into me you know, becoming a little bit what people call a horse whisperer. I don't have a natural fear of horses. And I will go up to any horse for the most part. And within seconds, be kissing that horse and caressing that horse. And as we all know, horses read that. Yes. And so before I ever touch a horse to trim it, I try to establish that connection. And same with my power tools. If I walk up to a horse to trim that horse for the first time with my power tools, the first thing I do is I just stand next to it, touch it, and flick my my grinder on and off. And so that he realizes and feels me that I'm calm. But that doesn't replace the need for caution, the need to try to read the horse's behavior. Um, you know, as, as they start to... Dem- Some horses are very comfortable standing for their feet. Owners, if you have not trained your horses to stand with their feet up, you are a derelict owner and you need to train your horse to stand with his feet up. There's no reason for you as a horse owner to have a horse that is going to put me in the hospital. Right. And it's not that hard to do. It's, it's again, it's spending time. If you are picking your horse's feet every day, they generally figure out they need to stand still. So, and and you know you have a problem if you can't pick his their feet. That's exactly right. That's good. Well, we could probably go on for a long time, but we're, maybe we'll do a part two. How's okay. that? Okay, that sounds great. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? A tip uh, or a, a gem, a pearl of wisdom, perhaps? All of us love our horses. And all of us want to do the very, very best we can by our horses. One of the things that I have noticed is that a lot of people learn about how to take care of their horses in many ways, but they're afraid to learn about feet. Maybe it's not afraid to learn, but it, I, I will admit it's a bit daunting, the amount of knowledge 
if you really get into it, but you don't really need to get into it obviously as much as I have or any other professional has to to learn about. And I would recommend one book, and it it really is was written for the layman. And it's an excellent resource whether you want to be barefoot or whether your horses are shooed. And it's simply called the Essential Hoof Book. And it's easy to understand. It is not a technical, you know, professional trimmers or farriers type of book. And it has excellent photos. Um, I've read it several times. And honestly, it is the best resource I have found for anybody in general. And I would highly recommend that anybody who wants to learn about taking care of your horse's feet, and we all know the saying, right? No no, no, no foot. foot, no horse, right? right? Right. Or no hoof, no horse. So that's what I would share. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Craig. I appreciate it. Anything you want to plug? Any link? If, if anybody's interested um, and is looking for, for barefoot trimming, um, you can get a hold of me on Facebook, just search for Craig Morley. Sounds good. And uh, you'll see a million pictures of horses and dogs, and that's, <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> thank you. I want to thank Total Saddle Fit for sponsoring the Woe Podcast. Total Saddle Fit makes the shoulder relief cinch. With its unique shape and contours, the shoulder relief cinch redirects the latigos of your saddle to improve your horse's range of motion in the shoulders. The shoulder relief cinch is robustly padded and cutaways in the places where your horse needs it. Total Saddle Fit wants you to try this innovative new take on the cinch by offering free worldwide shipping. That's right. Try it for 30 days risk-free. I've got one I use on my quarter horse mare Jessie and my Mustang Scratch and I really like the look and feel of the shoulder relief cinch. Over 10,000 riders rely on the shoulder relief cinch. Find your perfect size, color, and material at totalsaddlefit.com and tell them you heard about it on the Woe Podcast. That will do it for another episode. Thanks to Craig for sharing his knowledge about horses' feet. You can hear it in the way he speaks, that the welfare of all animals is important to him. I'll have a link to Craig's Facebook page listed in the show notes at woepodcast.com. The same place you can find all our podcast episodes. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I would love to hear about your horse. Do you have a story to tell? Share your story with us. My email is john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Woe Podcast. Share a few photos of you having fun with your horse. I love seeing that. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends. Please stay safe and healthy. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, Go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.